What's cooking, Georgetown Hoops fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Welcome to DC podcast. Your host, Dan Baldwin, here with my formidable partner in crime, Carter Owen, remotely coming to you live. That's a new one. Yeah, I was thinking about different adjectives. Formidable popped in my head. Audacious. Audacious. You know, uh, (laughs) the wagon, Owen, (laughs) just popped into my head again. (laughs) Oh, my God. I forgot about that. Yeah, Me never, for, never forget. But uh, hey, we know we just we thought it would be appropriate to open up the uh, episode with a little uh, Kobe Bryant highlights due to the incredibly unfortunate and heartbreaking news that he, his thirteen-year-old daughter Gianna, and multiple other passengers perished in a helicopter accident this past Sunday afternoon. Carter, you know, you and I, each humongous basketball fans, fans of college, fans of the NBA. We grew up watching him. Obviously, we don't remember the early 2000s when he was winning with Shaq, but we remember the latter half of his career. Do you have any reactions, thoughts of him, his legacy, the news, anything? Yeah, I, uh, I'm kind of, I wouldn't say I'm heartbroken because I think that would be selfish of me to say, especially when there's now a 13-year-old that's dead, a mother that lost a daughter, and a husband uh, so, you know, I won't get into the whole like prayers and condolences thing, but I think it's really obvious how much Kobe meant to people and how many lives he touched just from all of the interviews and tributes I've seen since the tragedy happened. I'm personally not a huge Kobe fan as a player. I never was, but the level of appreciation and respect I have for him is serious and 
it just regardless, man, like 41 is too young. Yeah, I could not agree with that more. Um, I, I rooted against Kobe when he was in the NBA just because he was always winning, and that's what you do when you're younger. <laughs> you tend to root against people who win. Um, but that's what he was. He was he was a fucking winner, dude. The guy literally, like, you know, I know that it's not necessarily appropriate to judge careers, essentially, off of titles and performances in the clutch. But, I mean, that's what the guy did. Anytime his team needed him, he would get that bucket. He was fearless. He challenged others. And so many things you see today, yesterday, it's people talking about how his quote-unquote mamba mentality inspired them to adopt that same thing. And while I do appreciate think that inspiration, but I, I would just simply say that nobody had a Mamba mentality like Kobe Bryant. So you can say whatever you want. In my opinion, I, I, I've never seen a guy that lived for competition and, you know, the fight, the grind, living in the dirt, getting better, improving yourself, helping others improve themselves the way that that guy did. He was a fierce, fierce learner. Yeah. Yeah, we were talking about that a little bit earlier, but Kobe had a lot of layers to his personality beyond being a basketball player. He knew a bunch of languages. He got really into investing towards the end of his career. Um, tried to make a rap album. Didn't go great. But <laughs> yeah, it just he was a passionate guy who had a, honestly, I'd say impossible thirst for knowledge that he had spent his whole life trying to quench. And I think that pursuit of excellence and self-development to a degree that few athletes especially in the sport of basketball but i would i would say period have pushed themselves is what makes this tough because i knew I, and i think you knew too that he would have been as if not more influential in this post-retirement or in this retirement phase of his life yeah and, you know, you listen to talking heads on the media, and it, it almost seems that they got that same impression as well. Not necessarily even that he would be more influential, but he was even looking forward to the second half of his life more than anyone could have even imagined. So many of, you know, stars that walk away from the game, sometimes they struggle with defining themselves outside of a football field, a basketball court, a baseball diamond, the octagon in the UFC. But, you know, Kobe's thirst for knowledge, his passion for learning, his passion for inspiring others, helping others, and his, his the fact that he was a really, really, really big family man, you know, it, it gave him purpose. And it just, it, it's really unfortunate how it went down. And I can't, I don't remember anything else being as stunning as shocking and as, as unfortunate as this. I think everybody from our generation for the rest of our lives will be able to say the exact moment what they were doing when they heard the unfortunate news of Kobe's passing along with his daughter and the other families involved. Yeah, seriously, I think we don't want to harp on it too much, but I think that, that put it really well. So yeah. Obviously, rest in peace to, I think, the nine people. Mm -hmm. It's nine, I think, who died. Yep. And... At least from the both of us, our prayers out to everyone. Yep. And with that, transitioning a little bit, but staying on the topic of uh, prayers. And disappointments. And disappointments. <laughs> prayers, I mean, thoughts and prayers. This damn team, Georgetown, I mean, what are you doing to us, guys? <laughs> so back um, the last what episode. What they do best. 
Yeah, the last episode we did came off of uh, what we thought, what we hoped could have been a season-changing win against Marquette. Georgetown proceeded to, you know, disappoint us. What it does best for the next two games, they lose it. They lost that Capital One Arena, eighty-four to eighty, against Marquette, and. A couple days later, they fell at the Cintas Center, 66-57, to a desperate 1-4 Xavier Musketeer teams. Um, let's start it with the Marquette game, Carter, because after I there, there are not many games where I walk away from seething with anger and needing to actually like go in the gym and like cool down. I was so upset, and this was one of them. I was beyond the point of return livid after the end of this game yeah i definitely wasn't as angry as you but i was pissed everything about this was infuriating not only because it was a game that by all accounts we could have won but just the way that we lost it is what made it so annoying to me i mean not start not stopping marcus howard is one thing and honestly, he didn't even shoot that well. Like, he only shot 75% from the line and, like, 43% from the field. So, he took a bunch of shots. All right. But, man, just those last four minutes or so, we looked, we just didn't look good enough. No, we made too many mistakes. And how many times, so, I missed the first half of this game, full disclosure, I had work. I was driving back in the middle of a snowstorm, and the vibe that I was getting from everyone was that we were lucky to be in the game. Um, would you say that was fair, or how would you describe the first half? Like, what was the huh. feeling? Because you know, I, I, I could I can talk about the second half, and I could rip my hair out. But I want to hear what you thought your thoughts were <laughs> going into the second half. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the first half was weird because both teams were playing really well on offense. I mean, we, we ended up shooting 51% from the field for the game, but we're probably in the mid-50s at halftime. Only had two or so turnovers. Marquette really couldn't stop us, but we were doing all we could to try to, uh, you know, make Hoya, hands, Hoya fans want to bump their head against the wall because we were missing free throws. Um, Omer was playing really, really well, but we didn't get the ball to him that much. Uh, and even so, we couldn't stop them either. And it was less Marcus Howard show in the first half and more the role players for Marquette. So which, Car Annum played really well in the first. Yeah, he did play really, really well in the first half. And he's a good player, like probably better than I thought he was. But that, I think the way Marquette is set up, if anyone besides Howard plays well, you're kind of pissed because yes. you don't expect it. And it's not anything that you game plan for. So I think for us, the fact we were down six, knew this game was going to be winnable, but I didn't like what we saw. I didn't like what I saw, sorry, especially on defense and especially in the pick and roll. And that's some of the stuff, even though we scored enough to hang with them for the rest of the game, I think it was our defense that got us. Oh, it absolutely was. And, you know, I've been sitting here thinking about it. I've been trying to come up with an answer myself because as podcasters, as fans, what's our job? To to say that we can do Coach Ewing's job better than he can, obviously. (laughs) And tell everyone why we can do that. 
I've been trying to figure out how do you stop Marcus Howard coming off either in a high ball screen or an off ball screen because he murdered us in both situations. Yeah. Obviously, you have Especially to go. Especially those high ball screens. Yeah, like you have to go over the top, and then he's got to hit his quickness. He can get by bigs because he is fast enough, and you're on his hip, so you're either gonna foul him, the big is gonna foul him, or he's gonna get an open look at the light. He's gonna get an open look at the rim mid range, where if the big commits, he's gonna go by the big. It's just, uh-huh. like, it's just, it's so simple. But Steve Wachowski, or whatever the hell you say that bastard's name, you know, he he was smart. Georgetown. Fake Waj. Yeah, fake Waj. Lesser Waj. He had, (laughs) Ewing and his coaching staff had literally no response other than hoping that Howard would miss. And in the second half, it seemed like he didn't. No, I don't think he did. And one move he did a lot was the step back. And he even drew a lot of fouls on those. I think Jagan fouled him twice really late oh. on a three okay. and on so a step back. Those I, were killers. I totally forgot about the that, that foul, but I actually threw my glasses after that when I was so upset. Because it, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it was a foul. You really? Th- I don't think it was. I don't think at all. He went right into really? Jagan. Jagan didn't move straight up. I mean, how much space can you possibly give him? I mean, he launched himself forward on that play. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's a it's a momentum shot, physically a momentum shot. Physically, so, so how, how much space as an offensive player are you warranted to come down in? Because it, he threw himself kind of forward. Obviously, he wasn't seeking the contact; he was just shooting. But doesn't Jagan, as a defender, have a right to simply just go straight up? You know, because he didn't jump, he didn't initiate any contact. He did take a step in, though. He kind of zaza did. I, I don't think he did. I absolutely don't. Okay. Uh, not harp on it. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I think, I don't know why we kept hedging the pick and roll. That's something Ewing loves to do, and it doesn't make sense to me. We've done and the hedging thing since uh, since the beginning of the year, and it hasn't worked, like, once. Yeah, at all. <laughs> at all. Like, I, Omer, I mean, Omer had a good game. I can't get mad at him. And I also can't get mad at him for listening to what his coach says, because he'll get benched otherwise. But... Only Kuda should be hedging that high because Omer isn't quick enough to get back. He barely was against our non-conference trash, and he can't. He's getting exposed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he really is. Uh, listen, I love Kudas. I think Kudas is going to be an act. I really think he's going to be a great player. He only played six oh, did minutes. You, you saw those turnarounds he hit? Woo! Yeah, I mean, you want to talk about someone working on his touch, working on his game down low. He's so confident. Whenever he gets the ball, he's looking to score down low. He was three he for three him. in that game, six points in only six minutes. And granted, he had three fouls, so that we got to work on that. But I think down the stretch, Carter, what really killed us is that, again, we had no freaking answer obviously people can look and like bitch about you know mac choked at the very end he uh you know he missed that free throw and obviously he did like he needed to hit that but is there something wrong with him like i don't really yeah, we gotta talk about that i i don't know that you saw about his free throw shooting since his eye injury yeah yes um it didn't it dip down to like sixty seven percent or something around there? Yeah, I think he was around ninety. Now he's at eighty for the year again, but it, it has not been good. He was in low nineties during non conference play. I even mid nineties.
90s, dude. Like, he was, he was like 58 for 60 or something ridiculous. But, yeah, I mean, if I just try to pull up his stats, because basketball reference isolates conference and unconference stuff, he's shooting 69% from the line. And that's after hitting all of them against Xavier. Yeah, he was 7 for 7. Listen, this was just a beyond frustrating game. We had no answer for Howard. We played well in the offense. And even that last that last possession we had when we were down two, it was a bailout foul call. Oh, yeah. It was oh an absolute gosh. bailout foul call. Ewing had a timeout, chose not to use it yet again, and it was a total bailout. Like, if Mac was – I thought it was an iffy foul as it was. Uh, yeah. And, listen, we had a shot to win that game. We were down seven, had a nice run to go back yeah. and tie it. It was big Javon. I mean, you want to talk about Kyle Guy clutch. That I, I had no <laughs> faith he was making all three of those free throws. Kyle Guy. Yeah. So, no, also, I did not think he would make those either. It was frustrating. And you and I spoke about in the last episode how essentially every single home Big East game is so important because stealing road games is just going to be really freaking hard given how good every team in this conference is and... Losing this home game proved to be devastating, given what happened in the next game. Yeah, and I think one more note. Despite the fact that we hedged so high consistently, because you know Marcus Howard had had the ball in his hands pretty much the entire second half, he had two turnovers, and only one in the second half. That's... And I, like the market as a whole, only had six. Granted, we only had eight, but. I'm surprised we didn't try to not press because we can't press anymore, but trap or send a second defender at him. You know, I I, I feel you. Um, I I think one thing that we have to credit. Right, if you're taking 31 shots, I mean, granted he's a great shooter, so he can chuck stuff up instead of trying to make a bad pass or whatever. But like with that usage rate, two turnovers is unacceptable from a defensive. Standpoint. It really is. We legitimately had, we we could not solve the Marcus Howard problem. The guy was a buzzsaw, and he just ripped apart everything that we threw at him. Um, and Marquette was we knew Marquette wasn't winning this game if Marcus Howard didn't score about thirty points, and he scored half of their points, 42, <laughs> 42 out of eighty four. That's a that's fifty percent. So. That, that, in my opinion, it dubbed the Xavier game as essentially a must-win for us, which, of course, we lost. Um, and the way that we lost that, I texted you before the game. I was like, there's no freaking way we are walking into the Cinta Center and winning. But I think the way that we lost was, again, just classic Georgetown. Classic. Everything about it just reeked of a typical, you know, Georgetown team playing a bad team, a desperate bad team, granted, but a team that you should be able to beat, a team that can't really score, a team where you really just know that their only hope is dominating the glass, generating second-chance points, and you know having one guy kind of just go off, like one random guy hit some big outside shots. That's exactly what happened, and we seem completely surprised by it. Yeah, that's that's that last part. I'm glad you mentioned that because that's what annoys me, dude. Like, this was, I mean, an ugly game, all things considered. We shot 37. Both teams shot 37% from the field. So I understand that aesthetically, there weren't going to, it wasn't going to be pretty and there weren't going to be a lot of high scorers. But 
I, I, who the hell is this Candy Tandy dude? Whatever the Kai hell Kai Tandy. Name. I don't even care. <laughs> Listen, I wa- I was watching Xavier before this game, and I noticed. Like, listen, if there's one guy who can hit threes on this team, it is Kai Kai Tandy. And Kai Kai Tandy. Listen, oh listen, God. Carter, Carter. So this guy, and the reason I knew who he was because I was watching Xavier at St. John's. Literally Kai Kai. Yes. Like K-Y-K-Y. Don't, don't remind me. Um, oh, my God. So look, so his, 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 his the points that he scored in Biggie's play. At Villanova, he hit three. It was a three-point shot. At, versus St. John's, 12, he hit four threes. Versus Seton Hall, three, he hit one three. Versus Creighton, three, he hit one three. At Marquette, three, he hit one three. Versus Georgetown, 18, he hit four threes and managed to hit a couple more. And at Creighton, zero. So we let this guy, who's averaging five points, drop 18 on us. That sounds about right. Yeah, and you know, Carter, it just it bugs me because, and I, I'll give him I'll give him credit for this. Tyler Park, a good buddy of mine um, from school, he I knew oh, him. Oh yeah, I remember him. Yeah. Yeah, he actually tweeted out something which I thought was very accurate and not complimentary of the Georgetown coaching staff. It was a quote from former Cleveland Brown, uh, Cleveland Brown head coach, Freddie Kitchens. He said, quote, we don't draw up plays to beat the other team. We play football. That's what we want to be. I can't get more clear than that. I think you know that about me. We want to be a football team. We do not want to be the designer of plays. Substitute uh, basketball with football. Bam. You have the Georgetown coaching staff. Yeah. That's a a bit of an indictment, but I think we're here at this point. Well, I mean, the thing is, Carter, it's just simply that we look at it from a game a game plan perspective. It just seems like we're harping on the same thing over and over. Force feed the post and hope something good happens. Yeah. We play the same way regardless of who we play. Mm-hmm. And it's not like... You know, I think Travis Steele, from the standpoint of looking at this matchup, Travis Steele is the Xavier head coach, he looked at us and said, all right, Georgetown is not a big team. They run a three-guard lineup. They really they can't run anything else because they don't have enough players to run anything else. So he was like, the only way we're going to win is if we dominate the, we dominate the offensive glass and generate second-chance opportunities. What did they do? 16 offensive rebounds. Bang. Right there. Jesus. I mean, that's that's a mother load. And that's exactly what they did, and we had no answer for it. Omer had two rebounds. Oh, that this was a terrible game from Omer. Three of nine. Jamarco had ten. Yeah, Jamarco played tough. Um, not from a not from a scoring perspective at all. Like he didn't he, he didn't produce from a scoring perspective. But, you know, he fought on the glass. It's just... Two blocks. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the guy plays hard. And he, he, he does. So I'm not going to rip on him. I thought Kudas played great. He, he kept us in it. He solely kept us in it late in the second half. Only played 19 minutes, but put up 9 points and 8 boards. He was swallowing rebounds when he went in the game. Really fighting. 
And obviously, Mack, I mean, what else can you say? 6 of 19. A lot of his shots early in the first half were just right there. Right there, and they weren't going down. It was tough. Yeah. Um, do They got out to a... Three steals. I, yeah. I think they got out to an early, like, 18-point lead, Carter, and then we kind of cut it, and we had a six-point swing at the end of the first half. We were down nine. Mack hit Jagan in transition, and Jagan missed a corner three. And then Xavier went down, and that freaking bastard, Kai Kai Tandy, hit a buzzer-beating three to end the first half, and bang, six-point swing. That's wild. Yeah, I saw in the highlights, I didn't get to watch this game because I was busy putting in work on the IM courts, but a lot of the threes they had, especially in the second half, looked like such garbage. Every time it appeared that Georgetown was ready to make a run, Xavier hit kind of like a fluky fadeaway three, got an offensive rebound that led to a second chance point, or we got a uh, tough foul called against us. There was one play. Mac was in transition. We were down eight or nine, and he hit a wild, what appeared to be an and one, but it was called a charge, and it was very clear from the replay the guy who he went into was nowhere near set. <laughs> at all, and Mac got hit from behind on the play. It, 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 Mac was so frustrated that he actually punched the court during the timeout. Yeah, I saw that on the highlights. So I mean, this was again one of those games that dropped us to two and five. We're currently in eighth place in the Big East, and you and I spoke about this, Carter. We really, really, really needed at least one of those games, given our schedule moving forward. Yeah, you want to dive into that now? Do you have any other thoughts on Xavier? No, fuck Other them. than fuck Xavier. Yeah, fuck Xavier. <laughs> uh, yeah, we were right on the same page. Fuck that team. Uh, and, and the thing is, uh, we know they're not good. They got buried at Creighton yeah. the other night. I mean, granted, that's going to happen to us when we go out there, but <laughs> that's neither no, like, here nor there. We're um, it's thanks, dude. Welcome to the club from last year. That was the team you picked for us to get twice. I know, I know. So, Bye. welcome to the club, uh, kid. If it makes you feel yeah. better, I have I'm honored. I have zero confidence that Georgetown is winning at St. John's on Super Bowl Sunday. Like I, I, I a thousand percent expect us to lose. Oh, that me game. neither. Me neither. Um, I, I don't. I don't think we get any team twice. Maybe DePaul, but no, no dude. No way, oh no way. No way. You know, I do. I think DePaul might sweep us. <laughs> <laughs> dude, they've been trash. Don't say that. I know. I know. They actually. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, so let's look at Butler. Yeah, I was going to say, don't, don't, you could go on a whole DePaul rant. We don't need that. No, we, we're we trying to stay positive here. <laughs> we're yeah. trying to stay positive. But so, yeah, so I guess we do things in two-game increments. So let's get to Butler first and then St. John's. Butler. Butler, obviously, tomorrow night. The 16th seed. Oh, it's at 9 p.m.? Oh, motherfucker. I got to get up <laughs> at 5.30 the next day. Oh, Dude, you son of a bitch. A well, I'm not... I'm. I actually, Will already bought 1917 tickets beforehand, and it's for a 7.30, 7.40 show, so I won't be able to watch the first half. It might be lucky. Honestly, Georgetown might do us a favor, dude, and get blown out so we can go to bed. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen, though. No, you know it won't, because we've been playing tough at Capital One Arena. I expect us to play tough in this game. Um... Whether that means we're going to win or not, Butler hasn't been playing great in the last four games. Their last game, they had a really tough overtime victory at home at Hinkle Fieldhouse against Marquette. 
where Kamar Baldwin just showed the holy hell out. Um, but if you look at it, Butler hasn't been fantastic on the road. They almost lost to St. John's. They needed a, you know, they, they were up big in the first half, blew a massive lead, needed a 7 nothing run to win that game, to close that game out. You know, they won handily at Providence, lost at DePaul, lost at Villanova, barely squeaked by Marquette at home. This is a Butler team that's been struggling to produce offense consistently, has seen a drop-off in their defensive efficiency. And that's their calling card to this team, Carter. If they can't play good defense, they're vulnerable to getting got. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, what do you what do you think about the game? I I haven't been high on Butler. I, know. I think I've been consistent about that. But I don't know. My part of me wants to be cautiously optimistic, but I'm I'm telling that part to go fuck itself. Yeah, it's one of those things. This kind of reminds me of our situation walking into Xavier. Granted, we are not Butler, um, <laughs> and Xavier is not Georgetown, but it's a similar sense that we, you know, Xavier had a week off. They were desperate. They really needed a win. Came out and played their tails off and got what they needed. This is a team, when I say this, I mean Georgetown, that has looked tired. The rotation, they have not looked fresh. They've looked tired. They've looked worn down. It's almost like the NFL. Sometimes, like, the bye week comes at a perfect time. It's like this Georgetown team needed a week off. They needed a week off to kind of clear their minds. It's almost like they needed, like, a mental and a physical cleansing. And it couldn't have come at a better time because this team was about to get run out of the conference race in the sense that we will be playing a Wednesday game if we don't turn this around starting tomorrow night. And if there's any time to make a statement, Carter, it has to be tomorrow. They got the week off. Ewing and the staff have had the time they need to scout this Butler team, look at their fucking weaknesses, and decide, oh, we're not just going to play basketball. We're going to fucking go on the attack and channel, look at our look at our team and how we are best suited to exploit what they do not do well. Um, and listen, I, I want to be cautiously optimistic, but how could you be? That's the only way I look at this game and say, okay, there's a shot at us winning. I think we keep it close. I do. but I do too. Uh, it's just, I, I don't think we have anyone. Uh, so, Jagan needs to show out. He needs to find a way to slow down Kamar Baldwin. Um, I think... Baldwin is a better matchup for Jagan than Howard is. I think Baldwin's not yeah, as quick. he's not as good a shooter, and Jagan can be physical with him. Yeah, I mean, Baldwin's strong. He's tough, physical, but so is Jagan. You won't find many guards who are as strong as Jagan is. And Baldwin's not necessarily yeah. a big guy, too. No, he's 6'1", probably 190. Yeah, so I think Jagan... You know, I actually think it's a decent matchup for Jagan. I think I think Baldwin's a stud, though. He's great at getting to the rim. His jumper's improved. Uh, we got to shut down McDermott. We can't let McDermott go nuts from three. It, it'll be interesting, Carter. I think we have the tools for an upset, so fuck it. We're going to win. Yep, that's what I was going to say, because my mind's telling me, and my heart's telling me no. My mind's exactly telling me no, but my body... My body's telling me, yeah. <laughs> My body's not even telling me that, bro. <laughs> I'm just literally going against what I believe. 
because that's how this team works. Dude, yeah, I was. We're about... gonna beat Butler and lose to St. John's. Oh, I, I there is not a fiber in my being, Carter, that believes we are beating St. John's on Super Bowl Sunday. Or not at all. Let's make let's make this even more fun. We beat Butler. Let's. I'm just trying to think of ways we can be wrong. We beat Butler. Beat St. John's. Play really close against Seton Hall. And then get smacked. Oh, I was I knew you were going there. <laughs> get smacked at home <laughs> by the like, ball. And then our next episode title, you already know, will be like How to Show Promise Part Two. And then we'll get bitch slapped in the face. Oh, and then it's just like how to get need in the groin. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean this episode this episode title should be like how to pull a Georgetown or some shit. Well, like yeah. they, they are so good at this. Uh, Even last year. It's remarkable. It really is. I, I, does, does, Interesting. Does, if you want to, actually, we want to. I don't know if you want to go there, but if the growing pains are just as obvious and the inconsistencies just as obvious, we lost two of our three freshmen, and our one freshman, who is now a sophomore, is objectively much better than last year. Still inconsistent for sure, but like, when does this become a coaching problem? I think we're. I don't know. I don't. Because there, there are a lot of good excuses, right? With the uh, the transfers. I guess when you when you look back on the year eventually, regardless of how it turns out, the transfers, the shortened roster, Ewing didn't get to press like he wanted to, but like it's just interesting. You know, I always look at it from the stand. When I look at when I think of coaching, I think of Bill Belichick. Obviously, that. SOB has tormented me as a Jet fan my entire life. Yeah. So I try to watch him and how he game plans. And I think coaching is kind of, you know, good skills are transferable between sports. I think being a good coach is two things. One, you can mold your schemes given the players that you have, you know, in the sense that you're not necessarily set to one scheme. You can kind of adjust based on the players you have, what you're given. Don't tell me what a player can't do. Tell me what he can do. We'll work around that. Yes. I also think that, you know, overall, how do you adjust when things hit the fan? Like You're losing. Things aren't going well. How can you rally the troops and find a way to stay competitive, keep yourself in the game, give yourself a chance to win? How do you respond when you get hit in the fucking mouth? You know, um, I think Mike Tyson had a quote. He was like, everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the face. Something <laughs> of that sort. Yeah. And, like, as of right now, Carter, I'm not seeing the second. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I, I we've, been, we've been subtly critical, I think, of the way the team has been coached dating back to last year. Mostly around rotations, though which clearly isn't an issue now because there are no rotations to be had. But, yeah, I think it's – I just – is Ewing too old school? I don't know. I mean, the, the, the kids, I think they play hard. I, I really think they play hard. I thought they fought to the end of that Xavier game. It just – it just, you know. But it's – I mean, you can – getting someone to play hard, that's not coaching in my opinion. No, it's that's not. That's part of it. And, like, Ewing is a scary dude. He could get a lot of people to do a lot of things for him. Oh, I'd probably be but shitting myself if Ewing was yelling he, at me. He, oh, dude, I was going to say, I, there's no, if he yelled at me, I don't think I could take it. <laughs> oh, my what? God. He's the man. I mean, like, listen, 
I want this desperately to work out because Pat, like, he's the nicest guy. Like, he, he, you can tell that he really enjoys doing what he does. It's just that it's hard to judge this season due to everything that that's went I down. I think next season will be it, right? I mean, it's the last year of his deal, but yeah, it'll be the last the, the last year without an excuse. I think this year he he could have been on the hot seat this year if the transfers didn't happen. He had, yes, he would have been. I, I, I agree. If the season has gone the way it has, considering as we thought we were going to be top five at least going into the season. Full, oh, yeah, like fully healthy? Yeah. Locked and loaded? Not, not, I guess, fully rostered, yeah. Well, here's a question for you. This, the transfers don't happen. Are we in the same spot? Do you think so? I think we're a little better, but not that much better. Yeah, I, uh, I, I agree. I, I said Josh is being missed severely. And James would have won us a couple games. I I, I think like, I think I think Galen, I think Myron, I think all of them are being missed pretty severely in like weird way. No, you can't overemphasize the, how crucial the loss of Josh was. But you know, James brought value. There's no denying that the guy could score. And when he was on, it's just James was a weird player. I'm very curious to see what he does at. You know, Arizona starting next year. Hopefully, I hope he plays next year. Do you think he'll start? Um, yes, he probably will. He's Sean Miller's been nothing but complimentary of him. Whenever speaking, he said he's been he he spoke about how he's been huge as like a scout team, uh, working against uh you know the guys they have now. He's like, yeah, when you have the Big East freshman of the year as your uh scout team point guard, it's pretty helpful when you prep for games. He's oh, because he can practice with him, yeah. Yeah, so... Gonna help Nico. Absolutely. I, th- I think James will start next year. I do. Yeah, I, I think he will, too. You don't bring in the Big East All-Freshman Player of the Year and have him come off the bench. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see the scheme they run around him. Josh, LSU, yeah. right? Galen, uh, Galen, Southern, whatever school he got into. I don't. I have no idea where Galen is. Yeah, he uh, he went somewhere. Somewhere completely irrelevant. Um, <laughs> he pulled a Gracie Carter. Dude, pour one out for him. I, I Grayson Carter, dude. He had one awesome game last year. Uh, I, <laughs> I think know. it was against the Prov- I think it was against Providence. I think it was a double overtime it game. It was. It was. Yeah. He had a couple threes. Uh, yeah. I. I don't know. The thing is, though, because Mac also had a lot of. A lot of great games that we, you know, wouldn't have won without him. Like think of the Oklahoma State game, Syracuse, SMU. Mm-hmm. Oh, so Galen's Texas at Texas Southern. Southern. Yep. Yeah, I got it there too. So, you know, so I'm not really pouring one out for him though. No, absolutely That's three not. schools in two years. No, and uh, yeah, we, we you know you hear things through the grapevine. It's just no, not at all. Best of luck. Get out we're, of we're, we're we're glad you're out of here. Yeah. Hope, um, we hope everything goes yeah, well. I, I don't know. I think we'd be in a little bit better of a position, but. If I had to be realistic, I still think year-end we'd underachieve. I'm with you. I don't know how much I would have trusted Ewing to figure this whole thing out. Especially if James was unhappy and still chose to stay. needing Because he's a high-maintenance player. He needs the ball, he needs his touches, needs his minutes. And then you have to ask, well, what the heck happens with Mac? Because clearly those two were not compatible. Dude, I, I, do you think Mac could have transferred... I don't know. I don't think Mac would have wanted to. Um, 
You know, I, I think I it's think very, it's very that, clear that Mac enjoys being Georgetown, and I think he recognizes he that he had the chance to become the face of Georgetown, which he will be next year, which if he isn't already right now. Yeah, you probably should have gone to Rutgers though, with how they're playing. Yeah, with how they're playing, I think they're a bit of a fluke, but we'll see. I agree, but it's still it's really funny. He must be uh, he must a be a little, little like ah. Yeah, but you know he's a TikTok star on campus. Oh yeah, you can't you can't underestimate that. No, he has so many more tattoos than when I last saw. I guess I don't know how to do that without being weird. Because you know I used to stalk Mac. But who are you? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's nice. That was a good one. Carter Joe Goldberg Owen. Yeah, it's a little that's a little shout out for the boys back home. But yeah, he has he has so many tattoos, dude, and they're all kind of random. Oh, they're random. See, I'm not a tattoo person. I don't think I'd ever get a tattoo. I'm way too white for that. When I say I'm way too white, I'm li- like legitimately just pale. <laughs> like yeah, I, I don't think I could do get it to cover up your veins, dude. Like I'd have to get one of like the fucking Lucky Charms leprechaun. <laughs> dude, could you imagine a Lucky Charms leprechaun tat on my ass right, cheek? Right on your butt. Yeah. <laughs> Oh god, that'd be a that'd be a surprise. Very interesting conversation with my future wife, girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. Well, she, honey, uh, I was when, drunk one when night. She finds that out. Yeah, had one too many Genesis. <laughs> you just I gambled on Georgetown. <laughs> oh, dude, I had to pay off gambling debts. That was the punishment. Yeah. Oh, I know, I know, but yeah, I I don't know. I, I don't want to run and jump to conclusions about the team and kind of the structural problems that might exist right now, but I think we just got to see how the year plays out. I guess so. With that, Butler win, St. John loss, and I don't even want to think about the Seton Hall matchup right now. <laughs> no, that's, they've been ridiculous, man. They've been a buzzsaw of a team. Andy Katz, he's a March Madness guy. He said, as of right now, he, they are his national champions. And I think it makes sense. I mean, they're a top 10 team, and they don't have Mamu Kalishvili, dude. I mean, could you imagine what they're going to be like when he comes back? Better. Just, I know, I know. But I, I know we've already hit the 40-minute mark, but right before we leave, you think about championship-caliber teams and teams that are built to go deep, and that Seton Hall team has literally everything. They have a really good defense, a go-to scorer, Miles Powell, a veteran point guard who can create for his teammates. Run the it, offense, yeah. Yeah, and they have a, they're great at defending the rim. Like Romero Gill, yeah. Mamu Kalishvili, they'll rebound. Threat, he's a pick and roll guy too. Yep. Mamu can post up, spread the defense. They have guys who can hit bit. the three when given the opportunity, like Jared Roden. This is Even a team. Miles Kale, that son of a gun. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I'm telling this is a team that I look at, I'm like, yeah, I think they're probably going to end up at least in the Elite Eight. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking earlier. I think it's anyone's guess who will actually win, but it'll be fun. If I had to. It'll be fun. It'll be fun for sure. But with that, any closing remarks? No, no, nothing crazy, but uh just Rest in peace, Kobe, once again. R.I.P. Well, we appreciate you guys tuning in to Welcome to D.C. Once again, if you like us, hit the subscribe button, rate us, give us five stars, write a review, 
We're always appreciative of that. You know, we, we just do this for fun. We really enjoy doing this. We talk about the team, get to vent a little bit, make some unfunny jokes that we find funny. We hope we hope that some of you guys laugh along too. But R.I.P. Kobe. Honestly, we don't even care. Yeah. yeah. Ho- 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 hopefully, hopefully we are not saying R.I.P. to our team season. It's well in our next episode. Yeah, we'll see you guys in about a week. All right. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Hoya Saxa, folks. Hoya Saxa.